Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for coming back to us after the hiatus. I am, of course, 50% uh, of your uh, co-hosting team here. I am Ryan, and I am, of course, here with Cody. 50% is going to be an important number uh, and theme throughout tonight, especially when we're talking about uh, the Buffalo Sabres and their prospects. But what we're going to do first is we're going to switch it up a little bit. So um we're gonna cody's gonna go into talking about toronto uh he's gonna kind of do a rant about toronto i'm gonna do a rant about buffalo and then we're gonna move on we're gonna talk about more league-wide things uh that are happening because there's a lot that's been happening in the nhl in the last week alone um but especially two weeks now since we've um recorded well no it's, it's only been about a week so um we will be doing that and cody's gonna go right into Toronto. So Cody, let, let me know, because I don't pay attention to Toronto. Let me know and let everybody else know what's happening with Toronto. And then, you know, what's your opinion of what's going on with Toronto right now? First of all, what's up, everybody? Glad to be here again. Um, yeah, Toronto. Oh, what to say? Not much is good to say about Toronto right now. Four, four and one, which is like, not terrible, I guess. Like, it's 500 team but who's looking at toronto maple leaves after after the last few years and saying oh yeah they're going to be a 500 team in the first first 10 games of the season no one no one i don't i don't I hate it i've watched like half a games which i don't like i like watching the full games i don't like turning it off but i've had to but they're on a two game win streak so maybe they're turning it around maybe hopefully Hopefully they're turning around, but no, some, some good things happened. Um, Mrazek came back from injury, so he's hopefully going to get into midseason form and be good for us. Uh, going to still tandem. It looks like with Jack Campbell. So that's good news going back and forth. And the biggest news really is Morgan Riley, who I think a lot of Leafs fans thought this was the last year of Morgan Riley uh, for better or for worse, but he signed an eight-year contract with the Leafs, and it's a good one. It's only seven point five million per year, which the going rate for defensemen right now is is more than that. So he took a pretty big discount to be here. So hopefully we can do good by him and you know do something this season. Just do something. That's all I ask. Not asking much. Is that too much to ask? I mean, I'd hope that you'd be asking for them to get out of the uh, the first round. At this point, I'm asking them to get to the first round. Wow. Like, they changed the narrative. I'll give them that. It was beginning of the season. Everybody said, let's get out of the first round. Now it's get to the first round. A 500 yeah. team doesn't make it. You got to Changed the narrative, but not in a good way. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, you got to give us Leafs fans something to complain about, so. Well, uh, on the flip side, uh, that is if you are done with Toronto. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Um, this this was not brought to you by one of Cody's infamous rants. Um, I'm sure we will get that sometime next week. But um, on the flip side, uh, Buffalo has definitely changed the narrative uh, about them, however, in a positive way. So um, 
starting off kind of in the same same boat um, so with their record. The Sabres are currently five, two and one. So they've played one less game than Toronto has for comparison, but are currently sitting at uh, second in the Atlantic behind Florida. Uh, but they are one point above Detroit. So you're now looking at Florida, Buffalo and Detroit uh, racing for the Atlantic and we're only a point out from Detroit while we're still a couple points behind Florida who remains undefeated. Um, but being five, two and one, I don't think anybody saw us going five, two and one. I think everybody thought that this was like a uh, maybe two win team <laughs> this season um, when they played some, you know, teams that are either on an equally worse level uh, on paper or worse, if that is possible. Um Complete opposite. Uh, that said, uh, they do really bad against aggressive teams. So when you play teams um, like Anaheim, and well, which we didn't do bad against Anaheim, we ended up winning in overtime, but you, they looked a lot less cohesive playing a team like Anaheim. Um, same thing with the Kings. They're just like when you're playing teams that are fast and aggressive, um, this, the, this Sabres team tends to fall apart during that. So that's what happened with our losses this year. Our wins came um, against teams that were not aggressive and fast. Montreal in the beginning of the season. Tampa Bay, surprisingly, did not play. Um, not I guess not surprisingly, but they weren't, um, you know, aggressive. They weren't going after the puck at all times. But when you play teams like Boston, uh, Anaheim, the Kings, they're fast and they're, they're really aggressive on the puck. I don't know why my PowerPoint is attempting to open right now in the, in the middle of us recording this. Um, uh, something that we've talked about both on here and then Cody, you and I have talked about as well on the side is, is Victor Olofsson and his almost like predisposition to not scoring on five on five. Like, I, I don't know if he thinks it's the play or something, um, but he started to turn that around. He actually scored a really nice five on five goal. Uh, with Jacob Bryson assisting uh, against the Kings. I want to say it was the second goal uh, against the LA Kings. So um, he's kind of finding his groove uh, with five on five. He has been on the first line all season so far. Um, not a big fan of him being on the first line, to be honest. Uh, I think he fits more somewhere in the second, maybe third line. Um, second, like third for sure. Second, maybe, but um him being, you know, him finding his groove for five on five is definitely going to help this team because of the next topic, which is uh, the Eichel trade. Eichel being a guy that shovels pucks to other teams. Uh, and I say Eichel trade as if he was traded. He has not yet been. However, the last bit of information that we all kind of got and have been following along with was the fact that um, there was a deal uh, for him uh, to go to Vegas this past Friday, I want to say Saturday or Friday or Saturday. Um, the, the talks did not cool off. I can't, I, I want to say Darren Dredger said that they were, that they had cooled off. They did not Elliot, Elliot Friedman said that they did not cool off. Uh, but that there were deeper conversations about what the, uh, considerations would be for things like draft picks. Again, what, how many, how well is Eichel going to perform? 
during the season, how many goals, where's, you know, what's his timetable for return. So um, that's what the conversation is largely about uh, for what we're hearing. Uh, so it sounds like Eichel will end up going to Vegas once he is traded. It seems like the team to kind of beat right now. Apparently Calgary is still quote unquote in the conversations, but it's more of a tire kick now. Um, and, and the very last thing that I wanted to touch on here is I wanted to, I wanted to put a little bit of a, a spotlight on Devin Levi because I feel like not a lot of people are respecting him as much as they should be. So Devin Levi is the goalie that we got in return uh, for the Sam Reinhardt trade. Um, he was drafted by the Florida Panthers just a, about a year before that, so the previous year. Uh, and so far, he has been doing an amazing job. He's in the NCAA right now. He plays for Northwestern. Uh, this is his first season there. He's the starting goaltender. He currently leads the NCAA in shutouts. He has four shutouts in his in eight games. So he has 50% of his games are shutouts. Um, one more shutout will tie the single season record, shutout record for the Northwestern uh, men's hockey program. It was 121 minutes before he allowed a goal um, in this season. And shortly before this season and before being traded, uh, he won a silver medal for the World Junior Canada team, which he was on with uh, Jack Quinn and uh, Dylan Cousins. So he knows both of them and he was able to tell them that he was uh, being traded to Buffalo. So I just, I wanted to, to say that because a lot of people say, are say or have said, oh, you know, we didn't get uh, a fair return for Sam Reinhardt. Um, you know, yeah, we got a first, uh, but no, we didn't, we didn't get a fair return for him. I, I'd say right now, based on his performance, yeah, Devin Levi is not in the NHL right now, but he is literally our best goal goaltending prospect upl has not performed that well in the ahl um he did not perform well in the nhl uh and our other goaltending prospect like aaron dow is not really a prospect but any other goaltender in our pipeline or in the organization is is 50 50 they're they're consistent you're inconsistent from night to night so um seeing what devin levi has been able to do in the ncaa uh, is exciting for one because you know Buffalo is spoiled when it comes to goaltenders. You go from a Dominic Hasek to Ryan Miller to Marty Biron, like we're we're pretty spoiled uh, or have been in the past when it comes to goaltending. So uh, to see somebody like Devin Levi in the pipeline is, is pretty exciting. Um, so a lot more going for the Sabers, absolutely in Toronto right now. Um, Definitely not where I think either one of us thought these teams would be, uh, especially because Toronto has been competing for the cup for so many years now. Uh, I mean, as a, as a hockey fan and as somebody that, that grew up as a hockey fan, I want Toronto to be competitive, but I want Buffalo to be competitive at the same time. Uh, like that is that, like, that's good hockey. Like that's, that's exciting hockey to watch. Um, yeah. Toronto and Buffalo haven't met yet, though. Not yet. And they won't. They won't for a while, right? Or do they do that? I think they do do this month. Um, Honestly, I can. I have it right. Oh yeah, we do meet this month. Uh, Saturday, 
November 13th. The 13th, yeah. Saturday and then not the again until March. Wow. Yes, March at the Heritage Classic, which we may or may not be going to. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> we gotta we gotta we gotta talk about that offline. But yes. Um so those are our rants about our teams. That's probably gonna flip by next week. I would imagine I would imagine. Um, I hope I hope so. I don't hope so. Um <laughs> Because I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing. Uh, that said, though, we have a couple of things that we uh, wanted to talk about news-wise for what's happening around the league. Uh, there's a lot happening, um, but also not a lot happening, if you know what I mean. Uh, there's a lot happening off the ice um, that needs to be talked about, that it seems like everybody's talking about, but it needs to be covered. Uh, two important things that are happening uh, right now, that being the um, Kyle Beach situation in Chicago um, and how the NHL in Chicago has handled that back in 2010 and even now, um, as well as the COVID outbreak that has seemingly occurred in San Jose within the last couple of days, um, which is not good news for the Sabres from a playing standpoint because we are, I think we're in San Jose or we're at least playing yeah, we're in San Jose uh, tomorrow. So, yes, and then in Seattle on Thursday, and I think that there was an issue with Seattle. But um, so, yeah, seemingly a COVID outbreak for San Jose and hockey being one of the uh, sports leagues that was the fastest and quickest to get basically everybody um, back, like fully vaccinated. Like a lot of teams were at 100% very quickly before the season started. Um so the fact that there is an outbreak of sorts uh, is kind of concerning, uh, but we'll get to that. And then we, we do have some, some on ice things to talk about uh, for Montreal, but uh, Cody, do you want to, do you want to start off on Chicago? Yeah. So obviously by now everybody kind of knows what's going on. Um, the off season, there was the, the lawsuit against Chicago where, John Doe now now came out as Kyle Beach, um, sexually assaulted, um, some sexual assault stuff going on there. Not a good look. Not a good look. We've been waiting all off season to see what comes of it. No media was talking about it. It was just kind of a sad to say a dead situation. Now it's come back up. Now that um, John Doe Kyle Beach came forward. And it's brought a whole different light to it. You know, no one's Kyle Beach who was the bust of the early 2010, like 2010, 2011, like drafted first round, phenomenal player, was a complete bust. Now we know why. So it, 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 it was, um, you know, it had to take a lot to come forward. So we want to thank Kyle for that. But the league has just handled it. The league, Chicago, everybody's just handled this so badly. And I feel so bad. And I feel, uh, what's the word? Really just not good as a fan of the league. You know what I mean? Like right. they threw it out in the beginning. There was a independent um, investigation that, didn't talk to any of the 
players involved, didn't talk to any of the management involved. It was just around kind of just to do it. Are you talking um, about 2010? 2010, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the it was covered up. It was covered up for a long time, and now that it's come to light, we've seen Joel Quinville quit. He wasn't fired. We've seen who was obviously coaching then, and that's about it. And Stan Bowman was 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 let go. He he stepped down. Um, well, so so it was it was any of the executives still at the Blackhawks that were there during that time. So Stan Bowman, obviously being kind of yeah. the the big that's one it. there, was the one that was let was he obviously left. Um, but I, there were a number of other executives that I think they had leave as well due to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know who they are. Off everybody, the everybody kind of stepped down. Everybody kind of stepped down and that was disappointing. You know, they were allowed to coach still for another game. They were, you know, Joe Quinville went on and right. coached another game after everything came out and he was named directly that he knew. So that right. was, not great um they had the press conference today with gary batman and that was just a nightmare just a nightmare i don't know if you caught any of it but it was i did not i heard that it was bad um what what what, something that i not not to talk over that really quick but um the the statement on quinville resigning from the league is something that nobody's talking about because at the I don't know if you read it, but at the very end of it, Gary Bettman says, um, basically leaves the door open for Quinville to come back to the NHL. Yeah. And he, and by saying, oh, if he wants to come back in any capacity, like he has to come talk to me first. And it's like, That's you're, not- you're firing this guy for like, this isn't like, you know, he's bad at coaching and like, he just is being like fired by his team. This is like, extremely egregious life altering situations that you couldn't care less about when you say, Oh, but like the team chemistry, the team chemistry, the team chemistry, like what, what is this going to do to that? And, you know, we're not going to have a chance to win again. And then you leave the door open for him to return in any capacity to the NHL or in association with the NHL. Um, through the AHL partners and it's like what and I and like nobody's talking about that yeah nobody's talking how they just like left the door open well I think after today they will because the way Batman handled the whole thing was just he was asked why the league doesn't have rules set in stone and his answer was we like to look at it a case-by-case basis but there's no case by case basis. If you're going to throw it, if the team chemistry is more important or the league, because it was a dynasty at that point is more important. That's not okay. That needs to be laid down in stone. You know what I mean? Um, Something people aren't talking about and that needs to be talked about is everybody's just pointing the finger at just Chicago in this Um just the management there's players that are still in the league that were there that covered it up there's players there's trainers there's the head of 
um, the NHLPA. He did nothing. It, it's it's a lot. There and should even, be a lot more going forward than oh, uh, yeah. what is. And even in, uh, you know, I watched the Kyle Beach interview, um, and and he had mentioned him and uh, what's what's the journalist's name? Rick West is that his name? That did, so. that did the majority that did really the, the reporting on the whole story over the last almost year or so. Um, and they said that like, even, even members of the Chicago media of like the NHL media knew about it and like, didn't report it. Yeah. And, and listen, I, I think we understand that like, and I'm not saying that this makes it right or makes it wrong. But the culture in 2010, very different from the culture now, obviously based on the reaction that we're seeing now and the steps that are being taken now. But that doesn't excuse the fact that that this is like that that is what occurred at all. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's crazy that there that there was like a sham investigation and members of the media got hold of this and they didn't report it or report on it. Um, that any players and you can, yeah, I mean, players that are still in the league now, people that like, like Taze and Kane, who were, you know, considered leaders on that team, but even veteran players that had been on that team for a long time that might not be in a traditional leadership role, you would expect to kind of step up. But of course we all know kind of the culture of, older hockey like like these guys think that that type of stuff is okay um and, and that you don't really need to do anything about it that it's not like worth reporting and stuff it's just so many you when you see the situation like when you see the the 30,000 foot view you have to look at it and go how is this not like a coordinated conspiracy when like it's it's not but like you look at it and you're like how is this not because the media, yeah. the players, the coaches, the staff, the front office, Everyone. the owners, like everybody, the NHL knew about it, the NHLPA, like everybody knew about it. And they were like, eh, whatever. And then this guy goes off and ends up playing and has to play in Germany because they don't want this, you know, distracting the team or disrupting the chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, woof. Like you said, life altering, you know, this wasn't something small. This was a big deal and covering it up was. Oh, I wish, you know, I, I didn't know about it in 2010. Nobody did until this until this past off season is when it got big and it should have been. It should have been talked about then. It should have been squashed then. It should have been right. Stan Bowman. Think of how many players Stan Bowman and all these other guys have been in charge of knowing that oh, this yeah. happened. Like right. it, it, it's, and I'm not saying they did it themselves, obviously like they didn't like, they're not. No, but they mismanaged directly the involved, situation. They, are, they mismanaged the situation. They, it would have been very easy to just rectify the situation right away. Right. Like it just, and it, like when you like when Joe Quin- Quinville says team chemistry, the guy that was accused in that did it was like an assistant video coach. What team chemistry yeah. is there to disrupt? It's it's an assistant video coach, and um, 
you know, I, I do have to, like I mentioned, um, the culture now is so different. Um, the, re the results of the investigation, whether you think that the NHL should have done the investigation or not, but the independent investigation that Chicago did and the actions that they took um, were probably the right ones. It probably wasn't the right way to go about it. The NHL should have stepped in instead of letting Chicago do it themselves. Um, but the fact that they went to an outside agency and had them do it was good. Um, but when you see, like you had said, like the comments from players that are still in the league that are still on that team or the non-comments or the, yes. Or the non-comments when you're saying like, well, essentially saying like, well, that wasn't my experience. Like I think I, I essentially still think that these are good guys or whatever, but then you have somebody who was, and, and I forget the player's name, he's on Chicago, who was like 12, I think, when this had happened and didn't know about it. And now he's playing on the team and he's like making an actual statement saying, you know, like, um, I'm really sorry that this happened. Like this shouldn't happen. The team and the league need to be better about it. It's just, it's, it's mind blowing. And I, I think, and I'm not saying this is fact, but I, I think it goes back to that old school hockey culture that we all know is persisting through some of the league. I think it's definitely changing as the younger players are coming up. Um, but it's a lot of these teams that are holding on to these older players that are in their thirties and forties that think that this is okay. Yeah. That this type of culture is okay. But then when it gets brought to light, they don't want to talk about it. Right. Like it's, it's something that they want to keep, in the locker room, um, which sucks and is, is horrible. Um, so I, th I think that the culture is definitely changing in the NHL. And I think it's, I think it's because there's so more of these, so much more of these younger players that are aware of all of this. Um, and I mean, ho hockey is, as a whole has been dealing with this. Like this isn't like a one-off situation. Like we've been hockey as a culture has been dealing with so much, over the last couple of years in, in not just this arena, but I mean, you go to the, the bus crash that killed most of that, that junior hockey team, you go to um, the racism against, you know, uh, black Rangers players or players that are being kept out of the NHL because of the color of their skin. Um, so the, the, the hockey world the NHL, the hockey world, the hockey culture has been challenged on a lot of these things over the last couple of years. Um, and like you said, as fans, a lot of most of us, I would say, are happy to see this coming to light. Obviously, we're not happy to see it coming to light, right? Because we wish that it didn't happen. But we're happy that it is being brought up. And like I said, I think it's a lot of these younger guys coming into the league are not tolerating this. Um, and that's not the culture that they were kind of brought up in. Um, and, and so I, th I think and I hope that a lot of things are changing. Yeah, I hope so, too. And it does seem that way. But I think until Gary Bettman's gone, I, I think we're at not a standstill. It's still moving forward, but it's inching forward. Yeah. Gary Bettman and sucks. He's he's done nothing for this game. He's done nothing to grow the game. He's done nothing to grow it. Um, well, he put games in China. Community, yeah, yeah. 
you put games in China, that was really going to help uh, help grow it. it. It's everybody around the world knows what the NHL is. You don't need to grow it that way. You need to grow it in a way that makes people feel accepted and wants to play the game. Like it's a predominantly white sport. Oh yeah. But it's played around the world. It doesn't have to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many races, colors, everything that can play this game. And the fact that they're just not because, well, see what happened in the NHL. We can't we can't be sending our kids there. Right. It's it's terrible. And and the other thing too is kind of is um you know I, I saw a discussion on this I can't remember if it was a video like a YouTube video or um an article but you know somebody like me and you like we're lucky enough to live in a community that is a hockey like it's a, it's a hockey town Buffalo is a hockey town um, you being a Leafs fan and us being so close to Canada we've we've all been to Toronto it's a hockey town when you go to places like Minnesota it's, it's a hockey place. But there are not, there's there's a lot of places that don't have this. Like we have as many hockey rinks as we have Tim Hortons in Buffalo. They're everywhere. You can't you can't turn a block without being within, you know, a five-minute drive of, of an ice rink. Meanwhile, I went to, and you might have had the same experience when you moved to Florida. When I moved to PA, the nearest hockey rink was an hour and a half away at, at in state college. So there's, there's just these people that, like you said, they know about the NHL. They just, they don't have access to being even near an ice rink to feel like that's something that they can pursue. Uh, and, and again, another example, being in Buffalo, a lot of people when they played like uh, hockey at a younger age would go to Canada for these tournaments. If you're in Texas, if there even is, you know, like a, like a junior hockey league in texas you're probably not traveling to mexico to play hockey you know what i mean yeah. it's you're going to be playing you know soccer or football um or something like that so there's 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 a disconnect in a lot of these areas and like you said it's a predominantly white sport so there's definitely a disconnect in these these communities that are heavily not white to expose them to the, not, not necessarily expose them to the game, but expose them to feeling like they can be part of the game. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah, it does. It does. But yeah. Well, let's, um, I don't have much more to say on it. You know, it frustrates me that Gary Bettman's still here and that he can just nonchalantly talk this way and not be punished. But uh, he just, it didn't seem like he cared at all. And that's, that's not okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, that might just be like remorse in this man's voice. He did not oh, care. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that he might just speak that way. I, I haven't really heard him speak any other way, but yeah, I, he just, he did not, he doesn't care. He's getting paid millions. Yeah. He doesn't He's need making to care. His money. He doesn't need to care. But moving, uh, so moving on uh, from that um, back into some on-ice news before we end this with some more off-ice news in San Jose, um, I, I wanted to touch on Montreal because heading into this season, and this we had touched on Montreal in the first uh, two episodes, I think, 
Um, talking about the Stanley Cup finals run last year, we touched on Tampa Bay as well as them. But it seems like they're finally making those, I guess you could say, halftime adjustments. We're only about eight, nine games into the season across the league. Uh, but till this point, Montreal had pretty much kept uh, their, their, their playoff roster um, that's still on the team or within the organization uh, or not out on injuries. They pretty much kept their playoff roster until uh, today when they sent Cole Caulfield down to um, the Laval Rockets, their AHL affiliate. So uh, they're two and eight. They go to play Detroit, who is currently third in the Atlantic, uh, right behind Buffalo, as we had mentioned earlier, Montreal at the bottom of the Atlantic. Do you think that this is kind of i I'm not, I'm not saying that the one move of Cole Caulfield going down to the AHL is going to change their season around. Uh, but do you think that Montreal being more open to changing up their roster and realizing, Hey, what we took into the playoffs last year, isn't going to get us through the season. We need to make some adjustments. Do you think that that's going to bode better for them as we head into as we head into a quite honestly, meaningful hockey season, we're in November now. Um, December, January is when teams really need to start making, you know, making their points stick uh, as they head into the the final lap of the season. So, what do you what do you think about them being open to making these these roster moves? I think it's good for Caulfield. I mean, Caulfield, he's he's a promising young lad. I can't stand him, but he's promising. I, I'm sure you see all my my retweets today. I did the, not. The mantra. <laughs> I went back and retweeted everybody that was saying Cole Caulfield was going to win the caller this year. Um, I retweeted it all, and then retweeted you know him being sent back down. So, which he's not. He's not the caliber player that Montreal fans think he is. He's he's a good player. He's going to be fine, but if they don't let him develop, he's not going to go anywhere. Right. He's going to be wasted talent. So I hope they, I mean, this is just me. I don't want to see him get any better. I don't care. I can't, I, I, the, the further down the standings Montreal is the better. For you. What a trash team. Oh, <laughs> can't stand it. I, I, can't are stand there, them. Uh, so, so as a Toronto fan, but mm-hmm. as a, as a hockey fan, if you were if you were um, Bergevin right now, are there any other roster moves that you're making, or any trade deadline moves that you're making potentially um, to try and put your team back in either into at least a a winning record or potentially try and shoot for contention? Because there's still time, not a lot of time, but there's still time left. He he already messed up. He he threw away the season when he didn't sign the offer sheet for Kakdianemi, and kept him. Letting him go to Carolina was the biggest mistake he made all season. You're going into the season knowing it, uh, knowing that uh, you're not going to have Price for God knows how long. You need scores, and you let one of your best scores, one of your best playmakers, go. That doesn't make any sense. He's he's a terrible general manager. How he still has a job is beyond me. Um, the the great well. the greatest quote I ever heard uh, was from Steve Dangle, and he said the um, 
the best job, the job with the best job security in Canada is an NHL GM. Yeah, for real. <laughs> or at least a Montreal GM. Anybody yes. but the Leafs. <sighs> Leafs are always being called out. But what can you do? What can you do? You got to be the best. Um, yeah, I don't know. The worse, the worse off Montreal is, the better for me. The better for the league. Nobody wants – that was the most boring finals I've ever watched in my life. I watched one game. It was terrible. It was terrible. Nobody wants to see that trash team anywhere near the playoffs. I mean, they were great. I think Montreal and, fans want to do it. They were great. They were they were exciting to watch uh, up until the finals when they got swept. But yeah, no, we didn't watch any of them. Yeah, no. And I, I know you did. And I know you did because I said, "Hey, do you want to get together and watch these?" And you said, "No, nah, no, I'm not watching any hockey." No, why? Why? Why do I want to watch that trash team do do good? Ugh, ugh, disgusting. All right. Well, heading in, heading into the final topic here, uh, San Jose COVID outbreak. So, um, like I mentioned earlier, the NHL was um, kind of at the forefront of getting most of their teams to 100 uh, percent with the double vaccine shots heading into the season for this year. I'm not sure what the vaccination rate in San Jose is. Uh but it was, it was contingent on teams, especially for, for traveling uh, to Canada and back. That was, that was really important. Not anything that you had to concern yourself with with uh, the NFL, but um, you had to concern, concern yourself with that with uh, NBA, MLB, NHL, because they're, they're crossing over into uh, Canada, uh, NHL obviously more so. Uh, but San Jose looks like at least, I believe, seven players uh, are currently out on COVID protocol, uh, potentially more. Buffalo does play them tomorrow night. Um, I know that this COVID protocol also affects their AHL team, the Barracudas, as well. I want to say I think one of their coaches and one of their players. So this is this is kind of a wide spread issue uh, for San Jose rather early in the season. Obviously, yeah. the hope is that this doesn't happen at all, but rather early in the season uh, that this is happening. Again, only 10 games into you're, – you're 10% of the way through the season. You know, 10 games into an 82-game season, uh, you're, you're kind of on your way. You're 10%, 15% of the way done, and this happens to a team that's playing, you know, not too bad right now. Um, what, are you, what are you looking for – out of San Jose, but out of the NHL. This is kind of unexpected with, with most everybody on the coaching staff, the front office, and the team being vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Uh, and then you have an outbreak when this is supposed to kind of dramatically decrease uh, the likelihood of this happening. Yeah, I don't think the league does anything about it. What they're doing with the COVID protocol is fine enough. Um like you said, with them all being vaccinated, there's not really the health risk that would be if they weren't, thankfully, for, for these players. You know, they are going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Um, I think everybody who is on it is vaccinated, like you said. So hopefully it doesn't spread much further than that. But I think this is a fluke 
fluke thing. Um, I don't think we see much more of it throughout the season. Um, granted, teams aren't being as careful because they don't have to be, um, or they don't think they have to be, but coaches are still wearing masks. Teams are still wearing masks in meetings. Uh, it seems like everybody's still doing that, whether they're vaccinated or not. So, um, I don't know what happened. I don't know how they got it, but you know, it only takes one person and spreads. So yeah. Hopefully, you know, hopefully they all come back. They're all all right. But right now just they gotta do what they gotta do and play the season. It's gonna be the Sabres worst game of the season. You know that, right? They're playing so well that they're going to go out in there. They're going to play a bunch of AHL players and lose or, you know, something, some nonsense. Um, I'm hoping not. We have so far avoided uh, anything like that occurring. Uh, That's going to happen eventually. I mean, you'd, for the Sabres, you'd expect it to happen every time, right? You'd expect them to beat uh, Montreal and Tampa Bay teams that were in the finals last year, but then lose to, um, you know, or, or beat Florida, but then lose to, you know, like Toronto. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, so far we've, we've avoided that this year. Uh, we've, we have played some close games. Even the games that we've lost have been good games. So they just, they just look good as a team. They look really young as a team. You can tell that the culture is different. The coaching uh, is different. The approach really not that different. Not seeing uh, strategy and tactics wise, like play wise. I'm, I'm not seeing that much different of an approach than we've seen over the last twelve years. Um, yeah, but it seems no, like I it think... seems like whatever it is, though. It seems like it's it's at least working. Like the execution is actually being brought through. So I think we're good at, at GM and coach. It's just getting that that talent. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, because the rumor is as part of that Eichel trade that Peyton Krebs is part of that trade deal, um, more likely than not. So we would be getting some decent young prospects and talent in return, which I think kind of pushes us over the edge this year uh, to being a good team, or at least within the next couple of years, especially with seeing what J.J. Paterka and Jack Quinn are doing in the AHL, but specifically Jack Quinn, AHL, um, player of the month, I, I want to say, or scorer of the month, currently leading the AHL in points. So I was solidly on the Jack Quinn over Perfetti and Rossi train anyways. So I wasn't, if I'm being wow. honest. Ironically enough, as soon as I said that, the train in your background. <laughs> yeah, thanks, song. train. Thank thanks, you. city of Dunkirk, CSX, you bastards. But um, no, I think they need. I think they need a bad loss to see where this team is really at. Um, until they have a bad loss and see how they respond to it, we don't know if this is a different Sabres team. They always do this. They do this hat streak and then they crap the bed. Um, like 10, 10 game win streak and then and then twenty game losing streak. Twenty game losing. Yeah, no, it's it's they they need a bad loss to see how they bounce back. That's going to be the big difference with the Sabres team is how they bounce back after a big loss, but they're doing good. And I'm, I'm happy for the Sabres fans in my life that they're doing good. 
it's it's fun to watch. I've I've watched more Sabres games this year than I have Leafs games. Well, there's a chance we'll be able to watch both if we go to Hamilton in March. Yeah, hopefully we'll see. Hopefully. We'll see. But is there anything else? I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Like like uh, like we said at the beginning, not a lot has happened, but a lot has happened. Yeah. You know, not not a lot of on ice has happened other than teams winning games. I, I think I think this is a great year for the NHL. You're kind of seeing the teams that have been historically bad doing really good. You, you're seeing Detroit's turnaround over the last couple of years or so. But really, so far this year, you're seeing a Florida team that, you know, despite everything that happened, inadvertently, you know, kind of uh, involved in the Kyle Beach situation in Chicago because of who their head coach is. Uh, Florida doing doing really well, Detroit doing well, uh, Sabres doing well, Montreal not doing well, taking the infamous, we are going to take our, you know, find our way into the finals and then um, not be there for, you know, 11 years type of a deal. So not a lot has happened on the ice uh, other than uh, bad teams being good and good teams being bad. That's right. And then just Ovechkin and, and Crosby is the other storyline. <laughs> just everything that they do. Because uh, they're still the they are the they are they are collectively the Tom Brady of the NHL. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, literally, literally that's what it is. But all right. Uh thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Uh we're gonna get better with every episode. Uh we will stop recording when we are both extremely tired. <laughs> because that's what we've been okay. doing the last couple of episodes we've been extremely tired uh but so, no seriously thank you guys so much for listening to this the, the fact that we're even on season three uh of this is, is kind of crazy and except for one week so far we have kept to our week by week promise yeah except for one week so far but we did do like a two ep- two-part episode special for the beginning so yeah i guess that kind you of you guys are fine that. You guys are fine. You'll be so. Thank you for listening to it. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan C Show underscore B I B. You can also follow us on Twitter at LDG Sports, um, or sorry, at the LDGSE is uh, where to follow us on Twitter. That is our, our, our new Twitter handle. And you can follow our official partner in uh, Crime Built in Buffalo at uh, Built in Buffalo underscore on Twitter as well. Cody, where can they find you and everything that you do? You can find me at Twitter. That's about it. Uh, at Dr. Dad Cop 69. You can find, you know, obviously everything me and Ryan do here. And then Built in Buffalo, like he said, we want to thank them again for helping us out with everything. So if you come from Built in Buffalo, please let us know. And we, you know, we like to talk to our audience. So come talk to us, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to talk about. Let's, let's get there. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And we will be back to you. We, we will be back with you next week. All right. My little cousins are getting yelled at in the background. So Cody has to go um, because my cousin Chelsea has had it this week, but thank you guys so much. Uh, for joining us and we will see you next week with hopefully more news to talk about and not a flipped uh, trend when it comes to Toronto and Buffalo because I like where it is so far.
Yeah, well, I just want Toronto to do better. But all right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye, guys.